In 14 years, nothing out there has changed, which is comforting. It makes me feel like the things that happen to me don't really matter, and there's something peaceful about that. I'm, <laughs> if that even makes sense. The sentiment came across just fine. Shunning change, you prefer the empty, indifferent world of the abyss. That's so like you. This is nice, the two of us lying here talking. Who knew something so simple would feel so good? Thank you for asking me to spend time with you. <laughs> oh, no, it's nothing. I just figured that, you know, that it might be fun to look at the stars. Uh... It is fun. Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I am Daniel. And today we're continuing our coverage of the Evangelion Rebuild franchise by Hideako, Hideaki Anno. And so, yeah, we're continuing with Evangelion 3.0, You Cannot Redo. So, Daniel, would you like to read us the IMDb synopsis? Sure. Fourteen years have passed since the near third impact. Most of the world has changed except Shinji Ikari, who awakens unaged in a new and strange environment. Masato has formed a group that is separate from Nerve. The fight is far from over, but the biggest struggle might be against humans and former allies. It's weird how Masato has formed a group that is separate from Nerve. It's just kind of just thrown in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so, Thomas, what did you think of Evangelion 3.0? You can, parenthetical, not redo. <laughs> Man, this was a tough one. Um, it's really weird because as I was watching this, I sort of switched from being like knee-jerk reaction initially really uh did not like it and was really had a lot of distaste for it but then as i sort of once i finished it and then sort of just like watched a few of the action sequences i think i softened up on it a little bit because i realized that this is like not an anime movie for me like i'm like this is like the definition of like this movie exemplifies all of the things that I do not like about anime, or at least the things that I would associate with bad anime. And and that would be, like, it's just really loud. It's kind of an assault on the senses. It's really incoherent. The characters are very often just saying exactly how they feel and are screaming yeah. it at each other. Um, uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of things about this that I, like, just don't like that as, as a package I'm just not into. But there are some there's some nice visual moments in this that I think are really fantastic. That There are some really nice inspired sequences, I think, in the beginning and then a little bit towards the end. But overall, as a movie, it's just, like, not a fan of this. And this is kind of, like, where I, like, sort of draw the line between, like, um, something like Perfect Blue is what I'm looking for in anime, and something like this is the exact opposite. Thing, everything that I dislike about anime is in this film. And so I'm curious to see what you think about it, because that's how I felt. Um, I will say that I also really did not enjoy this initially. <laughs> um, I think the first 20 minutes, I wrote down it, it's a lot of space team nonsense. So are you familiar <laughs> with the game? Are you familiar with the game Space Team? No. Uh, so there was this game, it was like a mobile game, where basically everyone is looking at their phone and you each have like a different um, sort of like set of buttons and knobs and levers and stuff like that. And you have to communicate with each other and say like, turn turbo thrusters to six. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember uh, that. Okay. You know, fire photon torpedoes, do this and this and this. And that is what a lot of the first 20 minutes of this movie are. And it <laughs> yeah. was so hard for me to get into because, like, I was bored. I, uh, I think Emily, 
like said to me at one point like this is not very good <laughs> and I yeah. Was like yeah i'm i'm literally bored right now um and i think as the movie gets going like it's a little easier for me to get on its wavelength because it actually starts to uh care about its characters <laughs> and yeah. like focus on them um but at the same time this kind of goes back to the problem we had with the previous movie which is like I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> like after this, a- after it was over, Emily was asking me, she's like, so who's seal? <laughs> like what, what, what was the deal with them and their relationship with nerve? And, yeah. Uh, like it's this deeply unsatisfying Valley of like the characters are holding your hand and explaining everything. Or they're over explaining every single thing that's happening on screen. And yet but simultaneously, still... none of it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's still <laughs> like... impenetrable because yeah, I think it's, it's just still... too much information. It feels like I'm, like I'm reading an encyclopedia or something. I almost texted you like 10 times throughout watching this movie <laughs> and several different occasions just being like, you know what? I wish this movie had characters that told me how they felt because I don't know how any of these characters feel. But yeah, there's like a moment between like Asuka and Shinji. <laughs> she's like digging into him. She's like fucking pissed. Like she's about to like beat his ass. And he's like, what's gotten into you? And she's just pent up rage and sorrow. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, like, it's just like, it's just like that handholding kind of anime where it's like, this yeah, is clearly... <laughs> this is clearly yeah it's like this is for a different audience and that's why i was sort of, sort of i that's why i softened up to it because i'm like okay this is kind of like anime that you used to like babysit like younger people like it's just colorful it's loud it's energetic the editing is really frantic yeah all the characters are sort of making it just really easy to sort of understand how they're feeling so you can sort of link like attach onto them but yeah this is like a far cry from something you know like the work of uh uh our boy from uh, Perfect Blue or, you know, um, Paranoia Agent where it's, yeah. like, meditative and it's quiet and there are moments where it's just, you know, <laughs> let, let the image speak for itself. You and have medium of animation. And it's, like, Evangelion, like, I think back to the series and some of the moments from the series, like the um, elevator ride with Ray and Asuka. Yeah. And it's, like, you're just sitting there in the discomfort of these characters for an extended period of time and it's great. <laughs> like, or... Uh, there's a scene when Shinji he's holding Kawaru in the hand of his Ava, and we're just like that scene was in, blew my mind in yeah. um, in the original series run, and so like gone are the days of uh, Evan classic Evangelion. Um, this feels yeah, very that's why I'm it, like it feels very new school anime. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that's like really noticeable from the jump. Like the characters get like a little bit of a redesign, some more drastically than others. Like Masato mm-hmm. gets like a pretty much a full on visual makeover, and like the, a lot of the um, like the the language is different because it's not like we're on like in Tokyo Three inside Nerve like dealing with them like on the ground of Tokyo or, or whatever. This is like. Now we're in the water and we're dealing with like more of like a naval kind of vocabulary and yeah. like all the stuff like kind of everything just sort of visually shifts just enough for it to be disorientating where it's like, okay, like, well, okay, where are we? What are like, what are these ships? Like, what are these battleships doing? Like, like, I love the moment where like the battleship basically gets like erased and we get like this like really loud, like screeching, like, like a screaming noise as the battleship just gets like evaporated by like the power of the of the angels i'm like yeah like that's great i made my like literally made my jaw drop and so there's like great moments in this but like i said i was like yeah it feels like this is for a different generation of viewers that like just has different uh desires and different like you know expectations for sitting down to watch something like this it feels way more plot oriented and like um so like this is one of the problems i have with like a lot of marvel movies or like uh the avengers movies in particular is that like it feels like it's 
just a race to hit beats as if like that's what makes a movie is like like i remember when a uh, fury road came out people were like nothing happened in that movie it was just like <laughs> people driving from from point a to point b and then back to point a and it's like so it's, so it's like is that what you're looking for from a movie is just like a lot of stuff to happen just like a lot of events uh a lot of plot points because <laughs> it's like a lot happens in that movie. Every character in that movie has an arc. Um, yeah. A lot of stuff happens in this movie. I don't know that any characters have an arc. Yeah. That's uh, like the, the criticism of modern horror or like this like elevated horror. It's like, Oh yeah. Like Midsummer isn't scary because it like, it doesn't scare Like it doesn't jump out and scare you. It was like, well, that's not what it's trying to do. Like it's trying to do something different. And we've talked about that a little bit on the show with other movies. And that's what I was sort of softened up. I was like, you know what? Like I really wanted a quiet, like mature Evangelion movie, yeah. but that's not what they're setting yeah, out to we're do in a here. I don't think. Territory. Yeah, like we're like we're trying to attract like people like you know, a lot younger and kind of looking for something more, just yeah, more modern. And I think they do a good job of that. And but it's just not what I'm looking for. And so yeah. I think that's like I had like, such a weird experience watching this because there's so many like great moments. Like the I think the angel design here is, is really great. Like the first one, like inside the water, is kind of like this weird like grid kind of yeah. like this like grid of machines that kind of it's like just operating like in the ocean or something. yeah yeah i thought that was i thought that was pretty inspired and like i like the naval stuff i thought that was a nice little change of pace but it's like disorientating at first because you're like wait where are we like wait what who yeah <laughs> like who's in charge yeah. here it's like w- w- what does anything mean right now <laughs> and then you get the reveal that there's been a 14 year jump and i like yeah. that i like that reveal um because it's so off-putting but uh, it's kind of weird that all of our pilots look the same. They still look like 14-year-olds. I mean, yeah. Shinji looks a little different, but I, I attribute that more to, like, the shift in animation than, like, an actual, like, design decision. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, like, he comments on, like, Asuka, like, why does she look the same? And she says something like, it's the curse of the Avas. And it's like, okay, <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, it's also yeah. weird that this is the movie that feels like it sexualizes the characters the least because I yeah. feel like there is this trope out there to be like, um, well, the character looks like she's 14, but she's actually a hundred or, yeah, Oh, yeah. like her genes are weird. So she slows down slow. And it's like, I was expecting that to be a setup for this, like for that trope of being like, we're going to sexualize these characters. Cause now they're technically 28. Yeah. Um, but it's it sexualizes them the least, and it it leans into it the most when they are fourteen, which yeah. is kind of weird. Yeah, it's such a trip because yeah, like, it, it's also interesting that like these characters essentially, like the deck is reshuffled and a lot of things are reset. So a lot of the arcs in the progression that we get are not like reset, but they're kind of, like it's it's. I guess reset is the best word for it because like the Shinji from the first two movies, like by the time the second was over, like he's fine getting into an Ava. Like he understands that that is like a part of his obligation, but here it's like, he like wants to do it, but they're like, no, you can't because we don't trust you for whatever reason. But it's just like, fuck, like, like we, we've already spent two movies getting him to this point where he can totally go into battle. But then we sort of just, just degrade that and just sort of, or, you know, it's, it's a, a digression plot wise and then when he finally gets in and he's like ready to do the mission he's gung-ho he's incredibly driven uh it's completely destructive (laughs) and so it's like okay so what is the message we are sending about shinji like he's someone who had to get over he had to get over his qualms his uh, his reservations and like actually pilot the damn ava uh to like 
you know, set aside his own problems to like for the greater good. Yeah. And now it's like he wants to do the greater good and it's it goes horribly. <laughs> yeah. Uh so what is the yeah. lesson here? <laughs> yeah, he can't control himself and yeah, it's like yeah, it's just different enough to where it's just... You He's just I think ruled you by just, his emotions, I guess? Yeah, we just spend a lot of mental energy just, I think, just trying to figure out why instead of just actually enjoying it. And then, and then for me, it, it takes a... I'm not a big fan of, like, the left turn that this movie kind of takes, and it just sort of hangs out in these empty spaces for a really long time. One thing that I think is a big loss is the fact that the end of the second movie, there is this cataclysmic event and Tokyo 3 gets wiped out, yeah. essentially. And so in this movie, we don't really have... The thing that I loved about 2 is like we get to see Tokyo 3 wake up and we get to see just like this lived-in city. Mm-hmm. One thing I really loved about the show is like, yes, Nervous is a huge thing and Misato is commanding this entire fleet of engineers and scientists to pilot these fucking Avas to fight these angels, but Misato also went home to and had and dinner had- after. <laughs> she, like, went into her apartment and had a beer. I'm like, that's fucking real. And I yeah. felt lived in, and we don't get any of that in this. It's just a lot of Yeah, the kids big, still went spaces. to school, you know? Yeah, and it's like, I don't know, it's just doing the edgy anime thing where it's just like, okay, they're having like heady conversations looking at the stars or these big empty cavernous spaces but it's just like it's just it's just edgy teenager shit i'm like okay like they're playing the (laughs) they're playing the piano and he's just like he's like talk like the line he gives them um uh i forget what exactly says but he's just like you have to just like let go it's like he's just like just talking just too much and just like just want these characters to shut the fuck up just play the piano you can play the (laughs) piano it could be sweet but you don't have to sit there all right shinji this is how we do a duet you have to let go it's like it's just it's it's just too much i don't know i I think i was fine with all of the like hanging out at the uh old uh, old nerve uh, headquarters stuff because i like the the realization as to like what shinji caused like um yeah. like leading him down the stairs and being like look at what this fucking mess <laughs> look at this fucking mess you made basically uh and it's not it, it's not like he's there to punish him it's, he's not there to rub his nose in it he's just there to provide him that information um which is completely devastating yeah uh, but i think oh, that happens in every case it's just characters telling characters other things what happens instead of it happening in a way that's i don't know visually more inspired than He's just going to walk down the stairs and tell him. Ray is going to walk Shinji down the stairs and tell him about, you know, Nerve being bad now. Or, like, when they're inside of the Ava's fighting at the end. It's like he's just going to tell him that these actions are causing the fourth impact. And it's, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's always just delivered in a very, like, dry, cold monotone. Like, this is the humanist mentality project. And it's just like, yeah. I don't know. It's and just, a lot of the it's information, just, it's like, what? where is this information coming from? Like, what does the information mean? What, like he tells him, oh, we got to get these spears because it's gonna we can undo the devastation and we can like rebuild the earth or whatever. So and it's like, like why? Like, it sounds like the rings of Goth. And I was like, like I don't like, know. What is the eat, significance like, of these spears? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like my desire to comprehend it is like completely out of the window at this point. I'm just like, like it looks great. Like I think visually there's some great moments, but like yeah, yeah just like I could care less why the spears do what the spears need to do because like it's. It's just, <laughs> but it's like I don't know. It's, it's like I'm sure. Like all this stuff seems really interesting to me, <laughs> but it hasn't been imbued with any sort of value. Like, uh, it's strange. Like it, it kind of reminds me of, um, like the and then storytelling sort of thing, where it's like, yes, like this happens and then this happens and then this happens. Like nothing really has causation. I yeah. feel like 
Like it has co like he has causation to try and fix things. I don't know why the answer is these spears that we didn't really know existed until someone said they existed. Um, like they're like yeah, there's no reason for me to believe that these have any importance uh, that the movie has like shown me. Um, there's one thing that we haven't really talked about that I think is kind of interesting is the reveal that Ray is essentially a clone of Shinji's mother. Yeah. And there's this whole, that's it's sort of like the big reveal of who Ray is, who, who she is, and like why uh, Gendo did what he did, essentially. Mm -hmm. And sort of, it kind of grounds that a little bit. What did you think about that reveal? I mean, I think it's interesting, but at the same time, it's like, I, I need to contemplate what this actually means. Like, so, so, so Ayanami, uh, Shinji's mother, and Ray, the one that he saved, are both trapped in Unit 1, right? Yes. And so it's like, <laughs> okay, well, what does that mean for Shinji? <laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> like, that's, that's, sort of that's what's interesting yeah. to me. Yeah, Otherwise, like was, this is just detail. This is just color that, like, I don't understand yeah, it's the like significance of. was developing, a, like, some of, somewhat of a relationship with her. Yeah. And, like, the actions of him trying to save her and disregarding the world has pissed off Asuka to the point where she just hates him. Um, she, she goes from calling him idiot Shinji to um, what does she call him? Uh, she's like brat Shinji. She's like calling him yeah. brat Shinji. Like it was a very it was, it was a downgrade for sure. But like yeah, it, like it's interesting in terms of like Shinji's sexuality that it's like Ray was someone that he seemed to have a romantic interest in. Yeah, and that yeah. she's his mother, and that like Ray and Gendo had this interesting relationship, and she is his mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was like basically living. <laughs> living suspended in the tube in like yeah. it's like a tank eating dinner with him often nude but <laughs> so it's yeah, like it's... we get this reveal but nothing really gets i don't feel that anything really gets explored in this movie um it's like a reveal that changes our understanding of what came in the previous movies but is like i don't i was this really developed on here i don't know i don't think so <laughs> yeah it's like i don't think so and i think it, it allows us to go into the territory of like, okay, Gendo's inside of a room with like the giant face, and the face has like yeah. bloody tears. And so, which is cool. Yeah, it like I think that's like one of like the core things about Evangelion. It's like some of the shit doesn't matter. We're just looking for a means to get to some really sick imagery. And like, yeah, it's like I like like the intro when I first watched the intro of like Asuka kind of like descending into orbit and then like stopping this thing like this cross from like landing on the planet I, like when i first saw it i was like really overwhelmed but when i watched it again i was like this is a really cool sequence like i like this idea but it's it's like one of those things where it's the the content of it is like i'm not too interested in it's just eye candy i mean i'm hoping that the next one is better and that like so like for example the stuff we were just talking about with ray and i and shinji's mom like i'm hoping that gets developed like like we've laid the groundwork in this movie so that we can explore it in an interesting way because because now the ray that they're so so the movie ends with asuka shinji and this new ray uh like walking off into the sunset sort of and it's yeah. like is this going to present uh you know an interesting opportunity to explore this new ray character uh who like doesn't have this shared history with shinji because she's not the one he saved um, she's just like, what is her existential crisis going to be? Basically, or her like identity crisis going to be? Yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm really curious to see how the production sort of changes because this is 
from this movie is from 2012 and like i think like my issues with it are like the franticness of the editing i think if it just slowed down the pacing of the editing you'd have a really fucking lush and beautiful movie here because like the 2d and the 3d animation it only gets better as it gets more modern and like the animators just get more precise in what they're doing and so i'm really looking forward to yeah the fourth installation which came out last year yeah i have high hopes while that that it only came out last year yeah um and it's a post shin godzilla hideaki ano so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even in like the the tail trailer for it, in this one, they they call it uh, Shin Evangelion. Which oh, I thought really? Was, was, was oh, I didn't interesting. Know that. Yeah, That's so I, I, <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> but yeah, but after watching this, yeah, my expectations have definitely been hedged a little bit because I'm like, okay, yeah. like we're in modern anime land. We're getting further away from the quiet, meditative stuff that I like, and so that's that's fine. It's just a different style. It's okay. Some people really enjoy it. Some people might not. Um, it has the next one has a 100% review score on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it has an 8.7 on IMDb, I believe. Okay. According to what I just scrolled past and have now lost on its <laughs> Wikipedia page. Let me let me double check that. Price upon a time. I mean, no one really rates anime on IMDb. It would like the my anime list would be the thing to look at, but they love everything. Yeah, I, I'm also, <laughs> like, skeptical of just online ratings. Like, I, yeah. I have a lot of friends that put a lot of uh, weight towards uh, Rotten Tomatoes scores, but, like, it's a site I don't even, yeah. like... Yeah, it was, like, 16... Also, it was only 16 critics. So it's, yeah. like, it's 16 critics who were selected to watch some anime movie, so it's, it's probably going to be kind of a narrow audience there. Yeah, you never know. If that person had a stomachache that day, they could have hated the movie and... Oh. You, know, you never know. Right. Um, anything else in regards to? I mean, I'm mostly just confused about this movie. Like, what? Like, <laughs> he, they're going, they go into um, to go pull the spears out of Lilith, and it's like there's all these skulls. Do you know what those skulls are? Like, where they came from? I'm not sure. I think it might just be linked to these constant cataclysmic events. I think there's a moment where things start to go in motion towards the end of this movie, and like, I don't know exactly what the context is, but like we just get like a shot of like a bunch of like it looks like their souls coming from earth or like going from like earth a bunch being... of avas like flying up into this yeah i think i think that's what it is yeah it's like just a bunch like, but i think they were sort of equating that to like i don't know, at least visually being like okay this is like looking vaguely apocalyptic or like some sort of um like revelation kind of event where it's just like a bunch of bodies that's sort of being taken from the earth at the same time it was some type of like rapture kind of at least visually it looked like that and so i thought that was interesting just one of those things where when these movies go big it does it really well i think yeah that's one thing that like visually I sort they're of, beautiful yeah it's like i kind of shot it down because of just the editing but i think when it goes big it does like when they show yeah, when we finally get like a nice wide shot of uh, Masato's like new battleship thing at the beginning, like it's really cool. Like it's yeah. like this weird bird kind of thing with wings, and it's just like it's it's a, it's a cool ship. It's just dope. Yeah. God bless them for going big. I just wish it was a little more graceful. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so well put. Uh, so can you tell me what happened with Seal in this movie? Because like there's <laughs> there's a moment where Gendo is like standing <laughs> surrounded by those like seal. I don't know if they're screens or what what you would call them, Bricks. and like, yeah, these obelisks, and um, they all start to like fade out. Is he? So like, this is something Emily asked me. She was like, "So wait, were they like AIs?" And he was like shutting them off, like because he says something about how they're gonna die. And I was like, 
I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, I think it might have had to do with like the upcoming, you know, fourth impact. Uh, but I truly do not know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I think AI is a good, um, I think that's a good explanation of it because they are kind of like these monolithic, like um, space odyssey looking things with like writing transcribed into them and they're inside of this black void. And it does seem like to be a tribunal or like a jury kind of relationship where it's just like he's like he's trying to like like do things that are like like they approve of but but (laughs) any deeper than that i couldn't really tell you all right so i'm gonna continue reading uh wikipedia pages (laughs) until i understand (laughs) what's really going on with this series yeah anything else on evangelion um, I really, really enjoy uh, just how obvious the whole thing of like, yeah, we don't trust you, Sinji, so we're going to give you this collar. And so they give him the collar. And then they're like, it's like, this symbolizes our distrust. And I'm like, yeah, it's a fucking collar yeah, around his neck. <laughs> like, I was just we like, God damn. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's like, it's the exact kind of anime where it's just like, people are like, I'm angry right now. It's just, it's just so fucking silly. And yeah, I'm not going to mention what my choice is for next week, but watching this movie heavily informed my decision okay. for the next movie. Okay. Uh, what have you been watching lately? So this week, um, not as much as I thought. Um, want to mention the book of Boba Fett because we mm. t- like, it comes out on the we record the day it comes out, and you mentioned that like yeah, there was a little bit of buzz over the last episode, and I don't know if you caught up. I with I it. watched episode five. I didn't watch. Today's episode, uh, or okay. yet, or yesterday's, today's, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. I don't think, it, uh, it's great that the episode is awesome, like it's a, a dope Mandalorian episode. Yeah. It's also, wor- <laughs> it's worrisome that the best episode of the Book of Boba Fett is called The Return of the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's kind of not, that's like a little bit of a red flag for your show, but like, the episode is, is so fucking good. It's just a reminder that... Like I was just like, like why can't Book Boba Fett like do this? Like yeah. I don't like understand like what's missing and why we step into this Mandalorian world and it's instantly fucking cooler. Yeah, he's it has so much more, more weight. Compelling. Right. Yeah, it's like it's like you don't even have Baby Yoda. You don't even need it because like it's just everything that he's gone through up until that point is just so good. And you can like I don't know. It's just it just blew my mind a little bit. And I was like, this is so good. And why is this so much better than the Book of Boba Fett? Yeah, I mean, I guess. So with The Mandalorian, when it initially started, it was just all a mystery. Like, we were introduced to this new character. We didn't know anything about him. And then we all went on this journey with him and, like, slowly started to reveal, like, okay, he's part of this religion. He's part of a particular sect that seems to be out of touch with the rest of The Mandalorians because they have this whole don't remove your helmet thing. Um, And so he's, like... uh, Maybe he's, like, kind of an extremist. Like, we don't really really know. Yeah. But, um... I don't know. Yeah, we get to see him on this mission. We learn that he has a hatred of droids. We he has a soft spot for, uh, you know, Baby Yoda or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, so we 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 learn about like a little bit of uh, the emotional interior of who this character is. With Boba Fett going into the Book of Boba Fett, what do we really know about him? He, his father was a Mandalorian. He, he himself was a uh, a bounty hunter. And he landed in a Sarlacc pit because uh, Han Solo accidentally bumped his his jetpack. <laughs> and like, yeah. <laughs> so it's not really, and and we're told that he's a badass because he gets a fight scene in the Mandalorian series. Um, but we don't really know what what is the emotional interior experience of this character. 
and maybe maybe the show has given us an opportunity to explore it i don't know i i was kind of bored so i didn't watch the first four episodes i cut straight to this mandalorian episode um but yeah i think the intrigue wasn't really there for me yeah yeah, it's funny. My friend's criticism of it is saying, it's like, I, I can't watch it. He looks like an angry thumb in the desert. And I was like, I, like, I agree. Like, he, he does look like an angry thumb, which can be distracting. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. But also, um, a movie came out this past week that I think is really, um, really worth mentioning. It, it's kind of tricky because, like, like melodrama it's not like a melodrama but like heavier drama movies are a little bit of a harder sell during this like post and i mean like post quarantine in this quarantine covid era of like mental health and strife and all this shit kind of being constant and so um watching a movie as heavy as the fallout might not be someone's like go-to way to like kill a few hours but i think this is such an important movie like i think this is one of those things that like should be shown in like American classrooms moving forward because it, it is such like an, a great depiction of what happens to like a student who experiences a school shooting. And I think yeah. the the way that so it's uh, directed by it's a first time director, a woman named Megan Park, and um, it's it's just like a really good like m- movie is like from the perspective of like a student who isn't like directly involved, but like is like there witnesses it and like has friends that are connected and sort of just like follows their experience dealing with you know just the fallout of the school shooting and it's just one of those things where it's just so well done so much like really great filmmaker things where it's just show don't tell and it's just visually yeah. just a really strong movie and it, like i say it's it's kind of a hard sell because not everyone's gonna sit down and watch like a heavy yeah. drama movie <laughs> to, i think to i'm gonna kick time. off my shoes and watch a school shooting movie <laughs> yeah but it's just like it's one of those things where it's like fuck like art like the generation dealing with this is like this is such a uniquely american problem that i feel like packaging it like in a in a movie that isn't too preachy that has good acting that is like really sweet and tender is a really good way to sort of make people sort of confront this really horrific thing that like just needs to sort of get like solved because like yeah it's like having kids deal with this kind of trauma is just like unfathomable and supposedly one of the richest nations in, in the world did you ever so, have to do uh like a school shooting drill when you were in school no i'm trying to think back i know we did the drunk driving thing mm-hmm. like the where they like fly in yeah like like a helicopter kind of going but some i think i might have like missed like i don't think i saw it visually happen though i think i saw just like a glimpse of it um no, so I, I don't think our school actually did anything like major in that regard. Yeah, we had in middle school we did a drill in case there was a school shooting where it's just like they make an announcement. Um, they say, "Mr. Locke, please come to the office, please, Mr. Locke," as like a code, I guess. And then if you hear that announcement, you have to like get into the nearest building like as soon as possible um, because they're Damn. gonna lock the doors. That's, uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's gnarly. Just like, yeah. d- like just to fathom like a child having to deal with that is just like really unspeakable. So it's just it's crazy like that you did that. Like I probably have relatives and younger cousins or whatever that have done that. It's just like a normal thing in this country, which is like it's not good. And so uh, uh, the movie's really good. Also, um, the actress that's in it um, was. Uh, good she's also in the, the most recent scream movie i just want to make sure i get her uh, name right 
Uh, Jenna Ortega is the, the lead actress in it. It's really good. She's really good. I think uh, Ben Shapiro financed a cool shooting movie. Yeah, it's called Run, Hide, Fight. Oh, my God. Um, and it's about how if there's a shooting, you should run, hide, or fight. What happens when you yeah. fight? Um, I'm pretty sure the yeah. movie doesn't interrogate, like, where did the shooters get their weapons? <laughs> they had, uh, yeah. It's just yeah. Daily Wire shit. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> so fucked up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't fight. Run and hide. Don't don't fight. <laughs> please, please don't do that. I um, want to inspire these kids to be heroes for when a school shooting inevitably happens at their school. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's fucked up. It's like, it's just, this is the only way to say it. It's just fucked up. But yeah, uh, it's a really good movie. Um, I, I highly recommend it. If you're ever, if you or any of our listeners are ever in the mood for a drama, I think that's yeah. one that is really worthwhile and really worth watching. Uh, what have you been watching this week? Um, I finished season four of Search Party. Ooh. One more season to go. By, I think <laughs> by the next time we record, I'll, I'll have finished this series. Um, season four kind of kind of uh not as good quality it took a it took a little bit of a hit um it was the first time i felt a little bored i think uh like the main plot line for it, it, it this is a hard show to talk about because the first season the premise of the show is that a girl has gone missing um uh, and these three friends who all went to college together and went to college with that girl uh, one of the, them becomes obsessed with the case, and she's like, "We gotta, fa- we gotta find this girl Chantal. She went missing. We gotta find Chantal." And yeah. she kind of drags her friends into her search when her friends really don't want to be a part of this. Um, and then every season after that, kind of shifts in terms of its, uh, in terms of what it's about. Um, Is it a new mystery every season? It's not a new mystery every season. It's almost like a new genre every season oh so the first one the characters are very like they're they're the driving action is the search for this girl the second season um is more they're kind of responding to what is happening around them uh it's not so much them driving the plot forward as they are just like reactive uh and then yeah i it's i can't really say say much without spoiling things uh okay but like I said, this this show, 10 episodes a season, 25 minute episodes, like you can burn through it. It's, it's, I haven't laughed out loud at a show as much uh, in, in a long time, uh, but I, I laugh out loud all the fucking time in the show. Um, okay. All the characters are liars. They are all <laughs> uh, self-absorbed and... Yeah, it feels like a lot of what the show is exploring is just, like, different types of liars. Like, people who are really good at lying to everyone around them. People who uh, have never lied before and discover that they're actually really good at it. People who lie to themselves about the seriousness of the situation. That's like Fargo. (laughs) That's, like, really cool, yeah. it's It's really fun. It's really funny. And, yeah, I've heard this fifth season kind of goes off the rails um and is like pretty divisive so i'm i'm excited to see what that means <laughs> yeah yeah i'm into that um i also watched the eternals i did not care uh-huh. for it <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> oh. I, I i thought their performances were strangely bad um okay I, I think that's a good that's a good criticism yeah and which i think emily was like so wait is it just because chloe Zhao like hasn't worked with 
that many real actors. Like she worked with, uh, gosh, I, I forgot, I forgot her name in the last episode too. Uh, Francis McDormand. Man. Yeah, Francis McDormand. I always, I always get to the Fran <laughs> part and then I forget the rest <laughs> of the name. Um, she worked with Francis McDormand on No Man Land, but like a lot of the other people in that movie were non actors. I think that there was a few other actors, but uh, a lot of people were non actors. Her first movie, The Writer, non actors. And so maybe she just has a hard time directing, um, unless it's someone like Francis McDormand who's going to completely devote themselves to a performance. Yeah, and yeah, and also it's like eight main characters in yeah, Eternals. True. Like how many? And like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> English isn't their first language for like half of them, probably. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, maybe there was some some communication difficulties. Uh, hard to extract good performances out of these people. Um, but yeah, yeah, I really wasn't. The movie's like, <laughs> wasn't that enough. Yeah, the movie's like a beautiful mess because it's just like I can see where things could be really good about it, and there's a lot of great potential within it just because yeah, it's Chloe Zhao. The cast is overall pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like the, all the actors, I pretty much like all of them. But it's like a part, like you said, it's a part of this Marvel machine where like it's hitting beats. It's like you know, it's trying to you know connect itself to this larger thing, and I. I think when the movie is focusing on this, like the small little relationships between the Eternals, I think that's when it's at its strongest. But it's still like it's a pretty long, bloated, big, like epic fucking movie. So it's, yeah. like, there's just so many things that it tries to accomplish. Even like you saw the end credit scenes yeah. too, where it's just like, yeah, it's just like I don't know what the fuck it you guys are trying. Like, to, like, the, the tone is so weird. Yeah, like the ending of Eternals and then the follow up scenes, like the credit scenes, felt like shit was just kind of happening and i was like well, yeah, what does yeah. any of this mean like why is this character here now why why is this character important <laughs> like uh i don't know it just felt like a, it was it was a messy way of it wasn't putting the pieces together it was just presenting the pieces and then like hoping that that was enough um so yeah i wasn't really into that and then uh last thing i want to talk about because i want to get an update from you um, I know you started Bloodborne. I just restarted it a couple nights ago. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, worked my way through the first boss, and I've been itching to play it all day. <laughs> but um, okay. yeah, how are things going there? I, I'm going to disappoint you oh, because I haven't no. been playing it, unfortunately. No. Um, I think it's more because I got busy with work, but yeah. I, I do want to play it. It's free on PS5 right now. Um, yeah, I oh, do really? want to play Oh, because it was part oh. of the PlayStation Plus collection or whatever? Yeah. Nice. okay. Yeah, so that's like another reason why I want to do it sooner rather than later. But I mean, I, once you claim it, it's part of your collection as long as you're subscribed. Oh, oh. Yeah. oh cool. Well, yeah. then it's fine. I'll probably yeah. play it. But yeah, <laughs> it's cool. I just like I think just the Demon Souls remake just looked so it looked good. Fantastic. Yeah, it just it just blew me away visually. And so like this is a port of the PS4 game, so it doesn't yeah. look terrible. But, but it's, it's just definitely like, showing its age. Yeah, and I'm just like, okay, like, I just wasn't as drawn to it. Like, there's some moments where I was taking so many screenshots while playing Demon Souls because there's just, like, so many great mm-hmm. big things in that game. We're just like, fuck, like, it's a big-ass dragon that just looks beautiful. Let <laughs> me take a screenshot of it. And so, like, well, hey, mom, come here and look at this. this yeah. game, too. It's just I believe terrifying. it, I believe it. Yeah, my friend had a really good time playing uh, playing those games. Yeah, he, he was a big fan of Bloodborne, so I'm yeah. looking forward to it. But. I always, yeah, I'm always on the fence of, like, do I want to commit to playing this or do I want to wait until there's inevitably a remake or some sort of update? Because there was a guy who made his own patch somehow. I don't know how this works. Some dude made his own patch to run the game at 4K 
with like AI upscaling and oh, wow. 60 frames <laughs> per second. And there's a video on YouTube where you can watch like it, it, it's running on a PlayStation five. Uh, and that, cause that was the only way to like smoothly run it. But yeah, you can watch a video on YouTube and it's like, damn it. Like what could be if like Sony and like from software, just like put some time and resources into this, like it could look really good, but yeah, but yeah, that's all. Yeah. I will get to it. Also, I got like a huge stack of movies from my local library, which I mm. used to do a lot when I lived in San Francisco. I would just go to the local local library branch, get like no less than ten movies at a time, and then just Damn. like try to work my way through them. And so now I'm going to bring that tradition back <laughs> in my local library. So I walked out today with eleven movies, and so I'm looking forward to. What are some highlights work. on the in the stack? Um. Three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri is in there. Annihilation is in there because I haven't watched it and I really want to. Um, Did you read the book? No. It's really good. It's a quick read, too. It's like okay. one of those hard-to-put-down books. Okay. Um, Might need to check that and out. And it's very um, different from the movie. Okay. Yeah, and I need to... There's a, a lot of other ones in the list that I don't remember, but... Um, the Jerk by Steve Oh, Martin. hell yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Have you never seen okay. that? So, no, but, like, okay, so the backstory on that is growing up in Oakland, at being at my grandmother's house almost every day during the summer and oftentimes after school, um, that was a, a VHS that was always in the house. I was always just, like, just seeing it visually, and I was, like, I just associated that VHS with my grandmother's house. And so I saw it, and I was yeah. like, I, I need to, like, watch this movie and sort of just, like, one of the all time, <laughs> One of the all-time greatest comedies, dude. I know, I know yeah, I've completely yeah. oversold it by saying that, <laughs> but it's like, that was a movie, like, growing up, it was on, like, TBS all the time or something like that, um, and so I just saw it a lot, and there are, like, scenes from that movie that, like, Emily and I quote to each other all the time. Yeah. yeah, I'm a fan of, like, when, like, comedies from 70s and the 80s and the 90s, whenever they don't get into problematic territory, and if, as long as they don't get into that territory, they're often really fucking great, and it's, like, great gems, like... Like big fan of like Uncle Buck and just like yeah. just stuff like that where it's like it's just really charming. I like the visual aesthetics of this things being shot on film, and so it's just it, it's it's warm and fuzzy. You know, yeah. it feels good to go back and watch those comedies. It's have a different aesthetic entirely. Yeah, now I kind of want to watch that. <laughs> yeah, um. yeah, it's it's really dangerous to doing that revisiting old comedies is like yeah a really roll it the be, die. yeah it's a really like you're rolling the dice every single time sometimes it could be great you get something like a nice charming john hughes movie or you can get one that's not so charming and you have long duck dong being, oh you know, being yeah so oh, it, gosh. It, it that's can, not even the worst part of that movie too, dude. that movie i used to watch that movie a lot as a kid because i was like oh john hughes like what's the best john hughes movie oh i think it's 16 candles it seems to be the funniest and it's like watching it like i think i watched it in like college god like <laughs> there's like a date rapes basically plot line oh god uh, it's insane dude um yeah there's one uh this movie very popular within the black community is called pootie tang and so pootie tang is very interesting because it was it's written a by movie louis ck wasn't it written and directed <laughs> by louis ck so uh, it's already problematic for one reason but there's also yeah it's like david cross is in there doing blackface oh like there's God. it's just like i was like oh i'm so excited to watch pootie tang but i was like this <laughs> this is not aged well at all like i need to keep this one on the shelf and let it get dusty because it is not coming off anytime soon um a movie I used to love as a kid. Now we're just talking about problematic movies. We like <laughs> um, a movie that I grew up on is by 
by Sex Pest, Woody Allen, uh, <laughs> is Take Damn. the Money and Run. Did you ever watch okay, Take the Money yeah. and Run? No, no. Dude, like, it was... So there was, like, two types of Woody Allen. There was, like, his serious yeah. filmmaker, Woody Allen, and then there was, like, his wacky bananas Woody Allen. This was his more, like, wacky uh, style of movies. But it's just, yeah. like, a mockumentary about him uh, as a criminal. He's, like, a bank robber and stuff like that. His life of crime. Gotcha. And there's some really fucking good gags in there there's like a whole thing about how he was part of a marching band but he played the cello so there's like footage of him like carrying a chair and a cello and like trying to like sit down so he has so he can play but he has to keep like moving every five seconds that's cr- that classic yeah <laughs> yeah just like lots of good gags uh, it's just, yeah that's a, yeah it's just unfortunate yeah. that it's <laughs> what do you want? Dude, it, dude it's so fucking heartbreaking like like the entire Woody Allen class, like me and Max took oh, at SF yeah. State, was like so formative. Like, uh, like I think it's Match Point, like the tennis one was like one of like the best of him operating at just like a dramatic level. But also like, remember just like smoking weed and watching Annie Hall and like the the Uncle Nichols scene is like it's Uncle Nichols. He's always giving him nickels. It's like just like just small things like that, but also like really heightened, fantastic moments of like a, an engagement ring bouncing on a fucking. Uh, on a, on, a le- on a railing it's just like like him as a filmmaker is just so great that's why it's like got like it's just so unfortunate I can't talk about so it I, I oftentimes get Annie Hall and Manhattan mixed up mm-hmm. uh, which one's the one where he it's about him as a grown man having a relationship with a teenage girl <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that's Manhattan okay, also okay. that's one is because it's in black and white it's easier to sort of distinguish it okay. Annie Hall is more colorful it's um diane keaton that one yeah. it, it feels more playful manhattan is more like oh i'm taking my my sophisticated date to the museum or whatever it, it has more of like a airy importance to it where yeah. i feel it's very pretentious in hindsight but i don't know it, uh, yeah <laughs> getting into a whole it, bag of worms with woody allen yeah i remember watching that movie kind of like after allegations had been made about him and I was like, this movie is just him trying to normalize a grown man having a relationship with a 17-year-old. Like, he's like 42 yeah. in that movie or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like everyone, and all the characters are just like, oh, yeah, this is fine. It's like, nah, it's, yeah. it's not. It's the yeah. story Manhattan of uh, a... Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, Manhattan is a trip. I was kind of like kicking myself recently i was writing a rap song and i made a reference to midnight in paris but after i finished recording it i was like oh wait like was that an okay thing to do <laughs> like to to like shout out this movie like depends on depends like, on what it was depends on <laughs> what the rhyme was it's more it's more of an owen wilson shout out than a woody allen okay. shout out but i don't know like i i felt guilty man i was like damn like we're in this age where you got to be really careful with who you shout out in a rap song because it could just be a deplorable monster gotta lean into it <laughs> all right yeah for the next song i will yeah <laughs> all right oh what are we watching next week okay so i think um it's would be irresponsible for us to have a series on animated films anime film and not mention not discuss this director and i was kind of debating on what movie to pick because this director has a lot of fantastic movies has a some would say like a perfect filmography and i was torn between princess mononoke and spirited away and i eventually i'm choosing spirited away because that's the one i haven't seen fully i've only seen it in chunks yeah um 
I saw Spirited Away a few years, no, sorry, I watched Princess Mononoke a few years ago, and I was actually taken back by, like, just how big and grand that movie is, and so I might end up watching it just because I want to watch both of these movies this yeah. week, but Spirited Away is the, is the choice. I think I've fallen asleep every time I've tried to watch a Miyazaki movie. Oh, uh, dang. Like, I've, I've completed movies, but I don't think, well, yeah, let me rephrase that. Uh, for every Miyazaki movie I've watched, there is a time where I've watched it and fallen asleep. So, okay. so like Ponyo, first time I watched it, fell asleep. Prince Monoke, first time I watched it, fell asleep. <laughs> Spirited Away, first okay. time. Like basically the first time for any of these, I fell asleep. It required a second okay. viewing. Uh, okay, I, I I still am very confident in that it will be a good decision because yeah. we also I was bringing up another really like famous accolade movie that I was wanted to sort of talk about, but we sort of discussed that it was going to be hard to talk about something that's like so popular. And that movie is the Godfather. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) kind of thinking about, I was thinking about that with spirited away too. I feel like it, it probably has been talked to death, but I like, I haven't seen it in such a long time. I've only seen like chunks of it. And I I would like to sort of revisit it with fresh eyes, especially in consideration of like, we've seen so many different extremes of anime while doing this franchise. I thought it'd be a, a, yeah, yeah at least at least one it was either it was that um mononoke or uh nausicaa was the third like the runner i've not choice. seen nausicaa but... nausicaa's really good too but i also think that was that i think that might put you to that for me. <laughs> <laughs> nausicaa is like considered like a pre-studio ghibli because i think it's like not officially mm. a studio ghibli movie but it's still directed by miyazaki it has the same style same aesthetic but it's just a little older all right cool looking forward to it cool well it's been episode 71 of vague zone if you would like to contact us you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com if you have questions comments concerns or franchise suggestions you can tweet at us at vague zone on the twitter if you are watching movie uh, if you're watching tv shows and want to uh, <laughs> communicate with them uh, fuck this they do so <laughs> god damn it so, this has been episode 71 of Vague Zone. If you would like to contact us, you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, or franchise suggestions, let us know a movie you would like us to watch. We might consider it. I had a friend suggest that we watch the Bill and Ted trilogy. Uh, we're Maybe. Gonna f- consider yeah. that. I think that That's be... speaking of movies <laughs> that have some problematic stuff in them. Uh. True, yeah. <laughs> yeah, also movie... Uh, like a franchise that has a recent legacy sequel yeah. as well so it'd be interesting to see but you know might consider it give us a suggestion we'll always think about it but yeah if you like to tweet at us hit us up on twitter at fake zone we're always on there tweeting about stuff um this has been episode 71 i'm thomas and i'm daniel we'll catch you on the next one hey